to the SaaS Revolution show. I'm your host, Alex Thuma. And after a few weeks break for summer and uh, and having babies, we're uh, back with a bang, hopefully. And uh, today, I'm, I'm super excited to be joined today um, by the Senior Manager of Content and Media Strategy at Lead Genius and also the co-author of Bridging the Gap, William Wickey. Uh, welcome to the show, William. Thanks a lot, Alex. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no, it's a uh, it, it's a pleasure. So uh, well, this is the first sort of podcast in, uh, in in a few weeks or so. We just had a little break, so um, hopefully I'm not too rusty. Um, but uh, I believe William, um, you've listened to the podcast uh, before. Um, yeah, that's right. So you know uh, the, the the first question, uh, well, the first couple of questions normally let, let's get to know you, right? So um, the first one, uh, who is uh, William Wiki? Sure. So. Um... I am, as you mentioned, Senior Manager of Content Media Strategy at Lead Genius. Prior to that, I've had a, a variety of media and marketing related experience. Um, <clears throat> before Lead Genius, I was working in brand management for consumer packaged goods, worked in PR, both at large corporate firms and, and small digital firms, worked at radio, worked at newspapers, um, had my master's in new media. Um, so I like to, to get my hands on a lot of different things when it comes to marketing, media, startups, um, and SaaS is an exciting place to be right now. Um, prior to Lead Genius, I was doing a lot of consulting, uh, crisis, communi- consulting crisis communications consulting for, for law firms, and then also um, doing book launches for people like uh, Ryan Holiday, Tim Ferriss, Neil Pashrisha, people who have written some successful books. So um, after that, I've um, been working at Lead Genius for about two years. Um, I came on right after the company got their their Series A, and um, just this past month, um, they've gotten their second round of funding in Series B. So that's a slice into my life. Okay, well, exciting background <laughs> and uh, exciting times at Lead Genius uh, as well. So I guess, uh, well, congrats to, to you and everybody there on the uh, the Series B um, raise. Um, so, I mean, you, you know, I guess not everybody's heard of Lead Genius. Uh, I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm no expert on Lead Genius. Um, so, you know, tell us a little bit more about um, what Lead Genius does. Um, you know, maybe also tell us why you, you moved there. Why, why did you uh, start to work at Lead Genius? Sure. So, um, <clears throat> Lead Genius today is a, a custom lead generation and account based marketing platform. Um, so, there's a lot of talk about account based marketing. There's a lot of, you know, similar services who at least play in that messaging space. The thing that's unique about um, what we do is uh, we use a combination of machine learning and then also uh, real human researchers uh, distributed across the world to quality assure information and then also collect custom data points that you can't simply get from a database or by scraping. Um, we'll put sort of the, the love and care into getting you the information that's really going to help your marketing or sales process for either messaging and targeting. So um, a little bit of background on Lead Genius. Lead Genius was a Y Combinator company uh, in 2011. Um, It started out very much as an alternative to um, kind of the the crowd work boom that was going on with Mechanical Turk and Odesk. And since then, we've really fine-tuned not only the focus of the suite of services and products that we're selling, but also the way that we're, we're doing work. So when people think of you know working with a crowd, usually it's 
an outsourcing conversation or anonymous distributed labor or gets conflated with the gig economy and how you know Uber and Lyft are doing some interesting stuff with that. Um, for us, the crowd is really more of a value add and is an extension of the team uh, where we're based out of Berkeley. We've got about 500 people working in 50 countries. Those folks work in teams um, with like a management structure similar to what you would see in a regular office. So when a client comes in and works on a project, they'll typically be working with point of contact at our headquarters in Berkeley and then also um, a team getting them the information they need. So real-time feedback loop with with humans um, involved in the process is an element that our customers like. Okay, awesome, and a, a great background there. Um, so I, I feel like you know I, I know a, a whole lot more about Lead Genius uh, uh, than uh, two minutes ago. Um, and um, but not only you know I, I introduce you as uh, obviously your your role at Lead Genius, but you're also. Uh, the co-author of uh, uh, an ebook. I don't know if you've printed a, 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 a I guess kind of a physical version um, of that, but uh, a book called Bridging the Gap, which um, you know it was kindly sent to me, and uh, I, I've recently read. Um, and uh, you've written that together with some folks from Ambition and uh, Persist IQ, uh, um, if, if that's right. Yes, that's right. And this book is around the basics of uh, account-based sales and marketing, um, uh, which, as you said, is kind of you know, it's, well, it's hot right now. It's uh, I'm hearing hearing about it uh, all the time. Um, and uh, I guess kind of like a couple of years ago, I'd never really sort of heard of it. Um, mm. So this year, I'm hearing about it, you know, a, a lot. <laughs> so before we get into, I guess, kind of the book and account-based sort of sales and marketing, um, you know, why the collaboration with, you know, Ambition and Persist IQ or the guys, I, I, I forget the name of the, the, the co-authors, but uh, why didn't you do it yourself? Um, why, why the power of three? Was it just better than one? Sure. So, um, yeah, three, in this case, I think three heads are better than one. Um, the folks I wrote the book with are, um, Jeremy Boudinet at Ambition, he's the director of marketing over there, and then also Brandon Redlinger, who is the uh, uh, heads up growth at Persist IQ. Um, <clears throat> these are guys that I just know professionally, known to be super smart and sharp in this conversation about um, account-based sales development specifically, um, sort of arose organically because um, we're in contact about a lot of different things from content sharing to events. These guys are you know, involved with the, the SaaS community out here in uh, the Bay Area. Uh, we started just kicking around the idea of like, well, a lot of our customers are, are looking for direction and guidance and, and specifically in this one piece of account-based marketing, which is, is broad. There's a lot of sort of misconception or at least noise and buzz around it. Um, let's try and cut through a little bit of that and focus on this key role of sales development, which you know we view as the bridge between marketing and sales, and um, alignment between marketing and sales is a key benefit of people who use an account-based marketing strategy. It's also um, almost a prerequisite. So this book definitely gets into some of the the details of that. It's around sixty-three pages. You can find it at accountbasedebook.com. Um, it's free. Go download it. Check it out. Um, but uh, it's also intended to be a primer. So I know a lot of folks in your audience, they, they range from people just getting started with you know, their own ventures um, and getting a company off the ground to, to people who are a little bit 
uh, more mature, larger companies, 10 people, 50 people, 200 people. Um, so, you know, with a wide range of audience, uh, a wide range of your audience, I'm hoping this, this book will be relevant to, to each of those tiers. Okay. So the kind of, kind of, you know, I guess answers the, the next question, you know, who, who is the audience, you know, who is the book for? So this book, you know, you know is relevant for, uh, I guess, you know, the founders that are, you know, maybe early stage or, you know, sort of seed stage and, you know, growing their, their, their SaaS businesses, but also, you know, I guess sort of beyond, mm -hmm. beyond that, um, you know, we get a lot of people, um, you know, in sales teams and marketing teams, sales and marketing execs and even mm -hmm. SDRs and just generally <laughs> sort of folks with, within that sales and marketing sort of area. Uh, this is relevant for them because this is, well, potentially a new way of, you know, doing things and improving uh, the sales process and marketing process. Absolutely. So, yeah, at the, at the small level, co-founders um, and founders should be, should be aware of, you know, what's happening in the market. Um, this account-based sales development role, actually, um, for the customers we work with, uh, about 50% of the time lives in marketing, 50% of the time lives in sales. Um, so there's always, there's some interesting overlap there between the two. Um, people who I'm hoping this is the most relevant for are marketing managers, sales managers, people who are managing email marketing programs or managing small teams of SDRs. Um, you know, also VPs of sales, um, and, and even the boots on the ground guys, the SDRs who are actually, you know, making calls or doing lead research. Um, hopefully the, this book will tell them where things are heading, uh, you know, be able to <clears throat> speak intelligibly about what is happening in the industry. Okay. So let, let's, uh, let's go into it a little bit. Um, you know, first question, you know, big one, uh, is, you know, why, why does, bridging the sales, marketing, uh, and account management gap matter? <clears throat> sure, so let me, uh, let me start by just giving a definition of account-based strategy mm -hmm. uh, that I think myself, Jeremy, and Brandon agree on. There's a, there's a lot floating around out there and I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily quibble um, with people who take a different approach to it, but um, let me make it clear sort of what we're talking about. Um, an account-based strategy is an approach to B2B marketing and sales where highly personalized messaging to multiple decision makers at key accounts through multiple channels helps align marketing and sales efforts to close qualified accounts quicker. So there's a lot, there's a lot in there, right? Um, and a lot of that lives in marketing, a lot of that lives in sales, um, but aligning marketing and sales efforts is a critical component of that because your targeting and your messaging needs to be in sync in order to close these qualified accounts quicker. Mm -hmm. Okay, gotcha. And, um, you, you know, should, uh, so you mentioned the like key accounts there, like selling mm -hmm. into key accounts. Is this only for, for key accounts or should we say, you, you know, uh, you know, corporates or, you know, large enterprises, um, you know, or can we be selling, you know, using account-based sales development or account-based account -based marketing? Um, you know, and sales into uh, smaller accounts as well. Oh, I think you can definitely do it from the SMBs all the way up to enterprise. So I, I guess to um, go back to your, your original question, why are SDRs um, a key component of this and, and why bridging the gap? So bridging the gap is just a reference between that chasm between marketing and sales that, um, that exists. A lot of companies like to... Um, 
you know, they, they, this is a, a big um, sticking point for many companies. Uh, a lot of companies don't want to admit it, but there is misalignment between marketing and sales, and sometimes that can cause uh, issues, especially for B2B companies where you've got a customer who's going to be involved in a longer sales process, and typically involving a you know a higher total contract value, where it's not just you know a one and done transactional marketing team can send out an email and then collect a payment. Um, a, a person who's going through that buying process is going to be exposed to some ads. They're going to have a, a little bit of awareness from the company, hopefully from you know either press or or social or organic um, uh, mentions and whatnot, and then. <clears throat> They're eventually going to be exposed to marketing messaging, and then uh, they're going to be talking to sales. The, the sales development rep is the bridge between those two, and it is typically the point where the messaging breaks down. Um, key accounts um, can be used by people who use a full-blown account-based strategy or um, by people who have in the past used a, a funnel or you know other type of demand generation strategy. Um, key accounts give marketing and sales teams an opportunity to fine-tune who they're talking to and hone in even tighter on messaging and who they're targeting. So if you've got, say, 500 accounts that you're really going to spend your time and resources attempting to close in the next quarter, you can be very personalized and customized with how you approach those. Um, Usually below that, um, people who are doing an account-based strategy and have a list of key accounts still have uh, a, a broader list of named accounts where people are bucketed into you know marketeers, buyer personas, um, industries for sort of mass personalization. Um, so the the principles of targeting people with messaging that is timely and personalized is relevant regardless of whether or not you have a dedicated account list or you're simply trying to move people through the marketing and sales funnel faster. Mm -hmm. I agree. And uh, you, you talked about, um, or, uh, you know, SDRs there and SDRs uh, like bridging the gap between sales and marketing. And, uh, um, you know, I think we've probably both seen, you know, the, the rise of the, uh, the SDRs, um, mm -hmm. You know, in in importance, and uh, you know, in in this, especially in the SaaS uh, space, you know, uh, over the last sort of few years. So, um, you know, you touch upon it in the uh, in, in the ebook, um, but uh, you know, why are SDRs more important now than ever? Um, you know, is it because they're bridging the gap, or you know, what what are the reasons? Yeah, I think that um, because just marketing and sales, marketing and sales alignment is important. They play a key role. Um, in the um, overall function of most SaaS companies. I think that the reason this role is becoming so important, though, is because you have a lot of small companies that um, are attempting to, to go up market. They want to sell to larger companies. They want to sell to companies that are going to stick around. Um, and SDRs are usually the tip of the spear in either qualifying or generating leads that are likely to stick around for the long term. Um, they're they're the, the ones responsible for taking the people who have been exposed to a certain marketing message and transitioning that person from um, you know sort of awareness and this decision making process into a qualified prospect who is ready to make a sale. And we're seeing a lot of SaaS companies um, that really want to make sure the people who get into the funnel 
are qualified and are, are likely going to stick around and have the characteristics for long-term success because um, a lot of the revenue opportunity for uh, a SaaS account is post-acquisition. It's in growth. You know, you look at just the, the big guys, a big example in Salesforce, I believe that 80% of the revenue comes from um, post-sale, upgrades, cross-selling, um, all that all that stuff. So the SDR is, is the gatekeeper um, and they're also the person setting the tone for um, the user or um, buyer's experience with the product. So um, that is why they're a key piece of um, that SaaS process. Okay. And um, so the SDRs, uh, you know, they're, they're working with the leads that they're, uh, I guess, kind of finding, um, you know, or, or given. And, uh, you know, how, uh, in your opinion, you know, do, do SaaS startups get, you know, better quality, find better quality leads? Um, obviously, you, you know, Lead Genius, you know, probably have some, uh, you know, experience around this. You know, maybe can we use um you guys use lead genius as a as a use case you know what 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 do you do to to get better quality leads sure so a couple things um i will first start by saying that um, it is our contention that sdr's time is probably better spent on selling activities rather than purely lead generation um and uh, right now at most companies some SDRs are purely tasked with prospecting. Um, mm -hmm. Some do a split between prospecting and then, um, you know, communicating with people who are sort of, you know, halfway through the funnel and qualifying those people or doing demos. It depends on the sales process. So there's a lot that can happen with lead generation um, that requires a human touch. It requires an SDR to go in there and say, all right, th this person, you know, fits all the characteristics that I want, you know, beyond just a name, a title and, you know, where the company is located. I've got their email address. Um, that's enough for a start, but in the selling process, the SDR then usually needs to do a little research. They're going to pull up their LinkedIn page. They're going to see what this person's previous experience is. They want to know where they fit within the decision-making panel at the organization. They want to know what, um, technology that company's using. They're going to look for key integrations. If you know your SaaS platform that, you know, for as a marketing and sales example, integrates with Salesforce and Marketo, you're going to want to know if those two specific pieces of software um, are able to integrate with whatever the the customer is using, or if they're using um, you know other uh, competitive software. You need to know uh, how to sell against that. All that is the type of research an SDR typically does. So what we do at Lead Genius is remove that piece from their plate. Um, we do the custom lead generation that requires a human touch and put that information right into the hands of the SDR so they can start a step further down the road, work with a qualified lead that was generated on the criteria that they had set forth, and then go into a selling conversation, hopefully, right off the bat. So. That's one way an SDR can be used more effectively. They can just spend more time in the selling process rather than doing lead generation. Um, the other piece of just quality lead generation in general, which is a, something that we offer at Lead Geniuses, is data, um, quality data. There's a few components to what makes a, a high quality lead. Um, it's 
fitness for purpose? Is this person um, the right fit for um, my product? Is there product market, product market fit there? Um, it is timeliness in terms of when that lead was generated, not necessarily in the buying process, but how old is the lead? You know, is it from a year and a half ago? If so, then there's a good possibility that much has changed to that company or that person has moved up or they've moved on or the company's been acquired. Um, we see contact records at B2B companies decaying at about 3% a month, which adds up over the course of a year. If you've got a pile of leads sitting around for a year, um, you want to make sure that that data that you're working so hard to collect, email addresses, people who are interested at your product at some level at some point, um, isn't just um, falling out of falling out of date and decaying. Um, yeah, the SDR is um, the key piece of that process. High quality data helps them do their job better. And the more you can put it in their hands rather than make them go out there and get it, the more efficient they're going to be. Because it's not cheap to hire a sales development rep in Silicon Valley, as yeah. we all know. Mm. So, so a lot of, a lot of uh, guests I've had on, uh, on, on the show, uh, I would say certainly like this year, um, you know, when I've been talking to them about tactics, you know, with it's sort of sales or marketing, um, inbound seems to be like the predominant sort of model for most of the folks that I've spoken to. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, as we're sort of talking about leads and, you know, tying that, you know, into inbound, um, you know, are all inbound leads, uh, hot leads? Um, you know, what's your, what, what's your take on that? Sure. Yeah. So inbound is great. You know, for the past five, 10 years, we've heard a lot about inbound. Um, a lot of that is coming from the biggest proponents of inbound people who have inbound platforms like HubSpot. Mm -hmm. They've done a great job talking about the benefits of inbound marketing. Um, and there's no doubt that salespeople love inbound leads. They're warm. They're hot. It's easier to sell to someone who goes and finds you and is, and is interested. Um, <clears throat> what is not necessarily the case, though, with all inbound leads is, is that person qualified? If you have a highly transactional sales model where you just enter your credit card or you know, say you're just Hootsuite and, and you're, you'll take 15 bucks a month from whoever wants to sign up, mm -hmm. um, then you want those hot inbound leads, like by all means, like let those, those trickle in. Um, the problem is though, that when you get to a company where you really want to make sure that person is a good fit for the product, um, where there's high marginal costs associated with bringing on a new customer and you're spending a lot of resources on retaining that customer, you want to make sure that person is qualified. So for example, at Lead Genius, if you have a sales team, you know, under five people, you might get value out of our product, but uh, more likely than not, you're not going to have the internal resources to capitalize on the information that we're able to give you. One of our biggest benefits is scale. When we go into big companies, um, we can scale up an outbound program very, very quickly. At a very small company, you might not be able to take advantage of that. When someone inbounds, we want to know how big the sales team size is. So this can be something we're asking on a form or something we enrich for after the fact. And many of the people who are coming through that inbound form field are not necessarily going to be qualified. 
the thing about outbound is, is that not necessarily everyone's going to be interested, but you know that everyone you're sending that email out to, as long as you have the right data for the leads you're collecting, is qualified. They fit the characteristics of your ideal customer profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, moreover, <clears throat> outbound allows you to smooth out inconsistencies in the lead and sales pipeline. Inbound can be predictable, but oftentimes there's elements of feast or famine. You know, you get a big bump from uh, press or a funding announcement one month, and then the next quarter leads you down a little bit. You don't, you know, necessarily have a a good way to project what lead volume is going to look like for the the following quarter. That can affect not only um, you know projecting sales, but impacts hiring and all sorts of other things. Outbound adds an element of stability and consistency to a marketing and sales process. So inbound is great. Um, outbound is, is often neglected. These two have to work together in a, to build a predictable, smooth marketing and sales process. Um, there's, and it, I, I shouldn't say every time, tens out of, 10 times out of 10, that's the case. But for most companies, a healthy mix of those two is going to allow you to move people through the funnel faster. It's going to allow you to capitalize on warm leads as well as qualified leads and have long-term success and scale in a healthy healthy way. So let, let's continue the, the talk about outbound. As I guess we don't do it uh, you know, that often, I think, on the, on the show. Um, as it seems, as I, say, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, inbound seems to be the, the preferred model or the one that we talked about. Um, but you know, is there a simple formula to to optimize outbound? Um, well, there's a there's a lot that goes into outbound. Hmm. Any particular elements that um, you want to that you're considering optimizing? No, I mean, if you say uh, okay, say if you're a, a, an early stage, you know, mm-hmm. SaaS company, you've been using inbounds, like only inbounds. Um, but yeah, you're you, you're getting this feast or famine, you, you know. Uh, I guess kind of um, you know reaction to uh, to this only inbound approach, right? So now we want to start and try in uh, outbound, you know. Mm-hmm. We, but we want to you know be optimal. Uh, we want to have it kind of up and running and working, working well, um, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and fast. You know, what, what's your advice around that, you, you know, and uh, to, to get it done and do, and do it right? Sure, I gotcha. Okay, so um, getting started with Outbound is actually, it's pretty easy. Um, another good benefit of Outbound is that it's immediate. You're going to see results pretty much instantaneously, whereas building great content with Inbound or working on press efforts, you know, there's a, uh, a little bit of, of a lag time in there. Um, granted, with inbound, you are sort of planting seeds that are con- going to continue to yield fruit further on down the road, and that's important. Mm-hmm. But without bound, you can run a campaign and you know pretty much immediately see who is interested. Mm-hmm. So, at a, a very simple level, just to make it clear for uh, most people, what an outbound marketing or sales effort would look like is you know generate a list of leads, um, send out emails in an automated way. Get the positive responses in the hands of your sales team and immediately start you know, working them through the sales process. That's pretty simple to do. There's a couple key elements in there, though, that um, I would recommend looking at and optimizing to, to make sure this product works for you, especially 
um, at a startup level. The first is the lead generation. Okay, so making sure that when you're generating the data associated with all these contacts or accounts, that there's enough in there for you to segment um, so you can create different campaigns with emails, focusing on you know, different messaging for different audiences, um, and then also reporting later on down the road. Most startups, um, even big companies, they, they want to know if one industry in particular is performing better than another. They want to know if one industry is you know, closing faster but not sticking around um, after a year and a half. You're not able to track all that unless you have that industry field for your lead generation. So um, being deliberate in the kind of data you collect for lead generation is the first key component of that. The second component is actually sending out those emails. It is very time consuming for an SDR to go out there and essentially do one-offs, you know, to, to write a little custom um, template, but uh, to write a template, but then customize it for, for each of these prospects on their list. And that is a way that many SDRs today still send out prospecting emails. This can really be done at scale, again, if you have good data and then the right software. So with Lead Genius, we have a built-in email platform where you can easily do mail merge style email templates, arrange them into sequences um, and send them out. Persist has another, um, has a tool that does something very similar um, and is great. Um, many of our customers choose to use our email tool. Some even take our data and go to persist. So if you're interested in, you know, seeing how the software works, I'd encourage you to go to leadgenius.com, you know, sign up for demo, check it out. Do the same thing with persist. Um, getting this automation piece right is um, key, especially for small companies, because when you're doing email at scale, there are still going to be a lot of human touch points. Removing those as much as possible, making it automated, uh, making it scalable from you know industry to industry or segment to segment, creating sequences that um, are easy to adapt and send out is a really key component of that. And there's a lot of technology out there that... Um, can help you do this. It's sometimes daunting to figure out what's the best fit for you. Just go out there and try them. Sign up for the demos on that. The final piece of that process is getting the positive responses in the hands of the SDR so they can start working out. Um, there's a couple important things about this um, or things of note that I'll point out. The first is that um, getting those positive responses in the hands of the SDR means that they're either coming through all the autoresponders and, um, hey, I'm not interested replies from a big old batch of emails, or you can use a tool like Lead Genius where we actually go in and filter the positive replies. But getting the people who are interested in the hands of those people in a timely manner, so like right after that person replies, making sure that there's a process in place for the SDR to get right back with them. Typically, an outbound email is sent out in the, the name of an SDR, so there's um, no disruption between the experience of the person being contacted and saying, hey, I've got a product and service you might be interested in, or usually you know, warming them up with a piece of content saying, hey, I'd like to learn more about your business. Here's you know, something that um, is interesting and helpful to some of our customers. Let me know what you think. That'd be a, a typical first touch in an outbound email sequence. So making sure that there's a process in place for that component on the sales side to, to capitalize on the messaging and segmentation that is typically taking place on the marketing side of things. So that, that means you need to have a sales team in place. That means you need to have 
Um, pretty close conversation between the leaders of those two teams um, and, and that SDR piece is the, the key component there. Um, that's why we call it bridging the gap in our ebook. Okay, awesome. And uh, I mean, some great insights there. I, I'm learning a ton just by listening to you and, and, and having read the uh, uh, the book as well earlier this week. Um, so we're, we're, we're actually, you know, running out of time now. So we're just going to do one final question. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it's, uh, you know, should every uh, B2B SaaS startup have an account-based marketing strategy um, you know, in your opinion, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a feeling of what you might say, but you, you know, uh, what, what's your view? Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, no, I don't okay. think that every, every company needs to have an account based strategy. Um, that there are small, like the smaller your deal size, the smaller and more transactional your sales process, the less important an account based mm-hmm. strategy is. If you're attempting to move up market, and you've got an expensive monthly price point, like let's say you know a thousand dollars and up or two thousand dollars and up mm-hmm. um, per month, mm-hmm. then it's then it's start uh, starts being worth considering who your best possible customers are, building an account list, and attempting to cut through the noise of all the marketing and sales messaging, the decision makers at those key accounts get by your own targeted approach. Um, so I would say. The longer a sales process, the higher the lifetime value of a customer, the, the more important it is to um, keep customers in the pipeline and using the product that are less likely to churn and you know you have a lot of opportunity to upsell and cross-sell. Then, it start, then it's worth considering an account-based strategy. Even with that being said, you don't have to do you know, an either-or, really. Like You don't have to dive in. Um, whole hog with an account-based strategy and abandon what's working. Um, I would never say like, hey, an account-based strategy, it's going to help you um, bring more qualified buyers through the funnel faster. You know, believe me, there's all these benefits. Ditch what you're doing and try what I'm talking about. You know, data-driven marketing and sales people are not interested in that sort of maybe, right? Don't get rid of what's working rather add in the component of just building an account list of these people and tracking that for the next quarter and seeing if you know the people you want to close or move through the, the sales process are actually doing that. And then you know when you review your strategy the following quarter, it's like, okay, well, how do we um, actually you know, s- start closing and seeing better numbers on this? Um, that's one of the things we do at Lead Genius for people. Sometimes people come to us with a target account list. Sometimes people come to us with targeting criteria. Um, we help them build out that list, um, which contains you know, target accounts, but then also the decision-making panel, which includes people at, at various tiers in the decision-making process. Usually there's a user um, or a primary, um, a primary beneficiary of a product or service, and then there's a, a check signer or several people at these positions. Um, if that doesn't sound like a fit for your company, it's like, well, there's not, you know, there's only the one guy he buys, he buys my product. He pays, you know, every month, 15 bucks, then it's not necessarily a good fit for you. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you're trying to move up market and you're trying to, uh, keep people around, then I would say an account-based strategy is definitely worth considering. Definitely worth understanding the benefits and how it fits into your marketing and sales process. If you currently have a team of SDRs. Uh, working to either generate leads, give demos, or just generally move people through 
be that bridge between marketing and sales. Okay, okay, um, you know, awesome. And I think on on that note, um, you know, we've come to the the, the end of the show. Um, you know, so I just want to say, uh, I mean, I, I said it earlier, but you know, been learning a a, a ton from you. Um, you know, the basics here of you know account based sales and marketing and uh, uh, and more. So you, you you certainly know your stuff. Um, uh, and uh, um, yeah, so thanks for being on the show, uh, William Wiki. Um, you know, content. Uh, uh, a media strategy manager at Lee Genius and uh, and co-author of uh, Bridging the Gap. Thanks a lot for having me. Enjoyed talking with you guys. Um, check us out at leegenius.com. Countbaseebook.com is where you can find the ebook. Um, I know that you know no one wants to sit down the weekend really read a marketing and sales book. Uh, pick it up and just find the chapters that are most relevant to you. Look at that table of contents, and I'll bet there's at least one bit in there that is speaking to a problem you're having right now if you're in marketing and sales in and the it's, SaaS world. And it's only 63 pages long, so it, it doesn't take uh, you, you know more than an hour, hour and a half to uh, to, to read it. So uh, it's, it's a pretty uh, quick but insightful read, and we'll link to it in the, uh, in the show notes. So uh, um, thanks again, William. Uh, you know, pleasure speaking to you. And uh, for those uh, at, at listening to the podcast, uh, whether you're at home or uh, out and about. If you like this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show, we'd really pre- uh, appreciate it if you can rate and review us on uh, on iTunes. And we'll see you next time.